You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for this week's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. A special hello to anyone who visited the Lammas Fair in Ballycastle today or yesterday. Hope you enjoyed lots of Dulce, Yellow Man and a Billy Burger from Brock Gammon Farm if you were there. Tonight I have a jam-packed show for you talking about events such as A Dare to Survive, Electric Picnic and a fundraiser taking place at a Skeeton Pool and Leisure this weekend. There's the recording of the chat I had at Dua Summer Festival and Barbecue with Danny McCubbin from Jamie Oliver's Food Foundation. Editor Dee Laffin will be giving us a heads up on the latest edition of Easy Food magazine and Evan Mangan from the marketing crowd will shed some light on the many social media platforms being used by the food industry at the moment. Before we get down to the very serious business of diet and training, let me tell you how to get in touch with the best possible taste. You can send an email to me, s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, short for organisation. Okay, so last year the show started just after the first ever A Dare to Survive took place. And A Dare to Survive is a 7.5 kilometre military style obstacle challenge. And this year it's on the 20th of September in Clonshire Equestrian Centre. The event's fitness partner is DN Fitness and Declan Nash agreed to come into the studio a few weeks ago to advise on diet and nutrition when you're training for an event like it or similar. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Declan, when somebody is training for maybe a marathon or even something like a 5k or an adventure race, what do they need to be looking at in their diet? Um... Generally, you would want to be getting a good balanced diet. Um, obviously, if you're doing, it'll vary an awful lot between a 5k and a marathon. There are two different complete spectres altogether um, because you'll have different levels of carbohydrates needed for certain events and stuff like that. Um, someone starting off in a 5k possibly just needs to be trying to eat as much whole foods as possible. Um, green is good make as much vegetables into your meals as possible um, and don't fear fats either fats will be very good for you um, they can help fight off the bad fats in the body actually help you to lose weight um, give us an example there of, of a fat that you're um, talking about like a good fat like something simple like starting to cook your meals with coconut oil um, instead of the other oils that would be being used um, it's just so many benefits it's organic um, and it's full of the good fats that your body needs. What about rapeseed oil? Rapeseed oil, um, a lot of them, a lot of them oils are okay, um, but when they come in contact with heat, it can actually defeat the purpose of using them. So you're trying to go for um, the likes of the coconut oils and stuff like that, if possible. How many times a day should you be eating? Um, you definitely want three meals with two snacks is really what you're going to go for. Like your body has a basic metallic, metabolic rate, which is BMR. Um, and it's that is your minimum requirement to actually function. Um, lying down in a room of 30 degrees all day long. That's without even getting out of the bed. Your body needs a certain amount of calories. So um, starving yourself and going for these 800 and 900 thousand euro or thousand calorie a day diets isn't the way to go. You were talking there about carbohydrates. 
is there good carbohydrates and bad har- carbohydrates? Um, there is good carbohydrates and bad carbohydrates. Again, it depends. Um, people carrying a small bit of weight that are trying to train and maybe lose weight together need to go for... Um, like your brown pastas, your brown rice, your whole wheel pastas and stuff like that, if possible. People that are just training to try and improve can get away with practically white pastas, your spaghettis. Um, obviously, porridge is a good carbohydrate for anybody. If you can start your day with porridge or even get a snack of porridge in during the day, it's all going to help. What way should you make the porridge? With low-fat milk, with water, adding goji berries into it yeah like you can make your you can make your porridge any way you want to make it um i'd probably go with water or full mi- fat milk um you're not a fan of the semi-skin i don't like the the soya or the low fats um anything low fat really has all the taste taken out of it and it's full of preservatives and additives to make it taste nice again um so sometimes taking you might be better off to have a smaller portion of a full fat option than eating as much as you want of the low fat. I think it's a bit of an advertising gimmick, to be honest with you, personally. So porridge is your number one recommendation for breakfast? Well, it's handy. It's easier to get. Um, It's nice and quick. It can be done. It can be left soak overnight. It's cooked in five minutes. Um, Scrambled egg and bacon is another fine breakfast you get in your protein um, from your eggs. Um, I suppose anything we want is cheap and cheerful, I suppose, to try and get us out when we've kids to get out and jobs to go to you don't want to be um, sitting down to your steak and nuts that all these fitness enthusiasts love um, maybe three mornings a week I'd probably have steak and eggs with a handful of cashew nuts yeah and the reason you have that is um, well it's a good quality protein um, everyone thinks when you have a steak you just think of a plate of mash plate of broccoli and all the things that go with it your gravy and your Yorkshire puddings and everything um, I'd be just steak in the pan two fried eggs, handful of nuts. It's not as hard as it, as you think. And um, you would eat that because you're a bit multiple muscle? Um, I would eat it for them reasons, yeah. Um, it's good lean meat. Red meat is probably... Um, it's getting more chance to digest if you have it early in the day as well rather than having it late at night. So you're getting the benefit throughout the day as well. And it's, it's something different. Bodybuilders, steam this, steam that no sauces no seasoning no anything that's because they're going trying to get down to 3 and 4% body fat I would put my chicken fillets in one of them roasted bags bit of seasoning for an hour maybe get 4 or 5 of them in at a time and you can be fridge you can put them in the fridge for a couple of days freezer and just beat them as you go but listen unless you want to be on stage um, waxed and tanned um, there's a little bit of leeway on them things and you're saying there about cooking that up and having it in the fridge. Are you very into planning your meals for the Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I think it was Roy Keane is famous for saying it. Um, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Um, again, everyone just thinks, oh, I haven't to hope. Um, I generally try and cook of a Sunday evening, maybe get my food up as far as Wednesday, and then I will maybe cook again on Wednesday because that just suits me with work and when I have time to maybe have an hour to get stuff going. So that's how I would do it. Other people might cook of a Sunday all their meals. It might be possible for people you might just get the following day's meals done the night before. Um, and it's also a good way of staying out of that top shelf in the kitchen as well with the biscuits and the chocolate and the fizzy drinks that you can take your mind off it by preparing for the following day. And what sort of snacks do you recommend? Like what's okay to have that is 
appetise and tasty but is healthy, nutritious? Um, like I would constantly have a bag of nuts in the car that I'd just be munching on something like cashew nuts, Brazil nuts. Again, they are high in fats and there's a big thing around that fats are bad for you. Obviously, if you sit down to the full bag, um, it takes a little bit of control. If you can have a couple of nuts at a time, you could have a yogurt, um, natural yogurt. You could have a bit of fruit and a glass of water. Um, your rice cakes, your oat cakes, um, peanut butter on some of them as well. And then drinks, of course, water is the, the best. Water is the one and only, I'm afraid, yeah. Um, ideally, you want to be getting two to three, li- three litres of water in a day. Um, and it's it's quite manageable if you had a bottle with you. You'd fill it up two or three times and you've got your quota in. Because um, a lot of the time we get our hunger pains and everything. It can be down to dehydration as well. So we go for a quick fix. We'll have a bar of chocolate. We'll have everything. Where's a glass of water? Could do the exact same thing. And it's not empty calories that's just going into your body. Well, I'd imagine, especially when the weather is is good, and if you're training on top of that, you will become dehydrated a lot very more quickly, quickly than, yeah. than normal. Yeah. So water is very important. Um, a lot of people say, "Should I be? Can I put my body into it? Can I do this?" I will put my body into my water to make it a little bit more drinkable. Um, it's very hard for someone that's training and trying to do marathons. If you are up to your four liters of water a day, which is quite possible, some people be up to five. It needs to be glammed up a small little bit. Anything is going to be better than your Diet Cokes and your Coke um, and all these fizzy drinks. And do you have any rules about not eating after a certain time of night? Um, I personally don't. I think if you've trained um, and you haven't met that BMR that we talked about earlier on, that you need to get food into your system. It's just that you need to pick the right stuff. Um, Again, people for weight loss might have the rule of after six um, it, it really depends on, on the person I personally if I was training at seven o'clock in the evening I wasn't home till half eight if I needed food I would get food definitely um, but again it depends on your sleep patterns some people might be able to sleep after food something like again scrambled egg something handy once you're meeting your daily requirements that's the most important part at the moment, you're running boot camps for a dare to survive, which yeah. is the 7.5 kilometre military style obstacle challenge that's taking place on Sunday, the 28th of September in Monshire. Yeah. What advice do you give to people that are training for that in terms of their diet? Um, diet, um, again, like it's, it's not rocket science. You're trying to keep as much single ingredient foods in your meals as possible. If you don't know, if you can't read the ingredient, it's probably not good for you. So trying to keep it as straightforward as possible, your meats and your veggies, um, try and stay away from your microwave foods with your preservatives and all that sort of stuff. Um, and just listen to the body. Um, if you're tired and you're getting starting to get niggles and you're starting to find yourself getting a little bit injured and there's tweaks coming at you, you're either overtraining or you're probably not getting the nutrients your body needs and it's shutting down on you. If you start to get colds and flus, like it's going to be wet on the day, there's going to be mud there. You want your immune system as strong as it can be for the day. Um, You need all the ingredients like your broccoli, your spinach, your meats. They all have vitamins that are going to help you along the way. Um, And you're getting them in without realising it really, you know, but it's just keep eating, keep getting food into you and don't train on an empty stomach. It's very bad for you. 
And on the day of the event, what should you have for the breakfast? Um, again, I wouldn't be changing anything drastic on the morning of the event. Um, if you were training, coming up to the couple of weeks beforehand, I'd try a few different things, see how it affects the body. I could tell you have 30 grams of porridge um, with bananas and um, have your litre of water. I could have tell you like a shake that a lot of people might have is they'd have a bit of flaxseed oil in it, a banana, porridge oats and a scoop of protein. That could bloat someone it might be fine for me. So you really need to prepare for your race day. So if your race day is at three o'clock, the Saturdays leading up to it, try some things, try a seven and a half K run, um, have your breakfast, have your lunch, see how you're feeling coming up to what you think is going to be your way of time. If that was good, try it again the next time. And you'd just try it an error, but I wouldn't be making any changes on the day of the event because it can completely wreck your buzz. And drink plenty of water throughout the course and whenever it's over. Yeah, you want to, yeah, the, the couple of days beforehand is probably the most important. If you only start drinking water on the day to try and get your water levels up, it's way too late. You want to be definitely increasing your water on the week of the event. Um, if possible, get up to your three, three and a half litres of water and you possibly want to have a good carbohydrate source built up in a couple of days beforehand as well. So getting your porridges in every morning. Um getting your pastas and your rices um, into Thursday, Friday leading up to it. Um, but again, now is the time to be trialling things and see. Because the last thing you want to have done is train for 12 weeks, sweated, blood and tears, and then have a meal that doesn't agree with you an hour beforehand and you're going around the place um, looking for more help than you need. Okay, but whenever you do get to the finish line, there'll be lovely Cully and Sully soup there waiting for you to enjoy and plenty of water throughout, I'm sure. Yeah. Declan, thanks for coming in to, to share that advice on A Dare to Survive. If anybody out there is interested in doing the event, which is partnered with Cleona's Foundation, which offers financial assistance to the families of critically ill children, the website is adaretosurvive.com. And Declan, you have a Facebook page and it is DN Fitness. Yeah. So people can log on there and I'm sure you have lots of tips and advice for them. And the training programmes and everything leading up to the event as well that'll help people if they need some help. Perfect. Thanks for coming in this evening. No problem. And good luck with it. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. That was Declan Nash of DN Fitness. And if you're considering signing up for a Dare to Survive, I'd urge you just to go for it. Endeavour, endure, enjoy, I think is the slogan there. I was there last year and the look of jubilation on the athletes' faces when they came through the finish line was simply unreal. No, I didn't do it, but I was there helping out. If it's not your cup of tea, you can still pop along to support those taking part. And of course, you'll be helping out a wonderful cause, namely Cleona's Foundation. Moving on now to hear about some other wonderful causes, namely the Jamie Oliver Food Foundation and a very special community in Italy, thanks to a wonderful man called Danny McCubbin, whom I had the pleasure of meeting at the Joie Summer Festival and Barbecue. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Danny, you're a staff ambassador for the Jamie Oliver Food Foundation. What exactly does that involve? So I've worked uh, for Jamie for the past 11 years. So I was there when Johnny Rallahan first came to us as an apprentice and I was there when he graduated. So I've had a number of jobs with Jamie basically for 11 years, but at the heart of it really has been his foundation. So 
Uh, we train un uh, disadvantaged youth to become top class chefs at 15. We also have a foundation, uh, part of the foundation is we have ministry food cooking classes all over the UK. We have a school kitchen garden project where we teach uh, kids at school how to plant and grow and then turn one of their classrooms into a kitchen. And we have a ministry food program in Australia and a food revolution program in the States as well. So it's really important that because a lot of people, important that we in, sort of say everything that Jamie's done because a lot of people just associate Jamie obviously with 15 but the foundation really is about teaching people the basics of cooking Jamie's desire is that people really know about food and he does that through his foundation with kids with teenagers at 15 and then of course with families with ministry food as well. well of course 15 featured on the channel 4 documentary which would have brought it to people's attention yeah. and then Jamie has had his programs that he was trying to change the food culture in schools yep. in in the UK we don't really have canteens in the Republic of Ireland, so I suppose there's very little we can do there. But in terms of his ambition and his dreams for the foundation, where does he see it going? So it's really about education, Sharon. So social media, uh, content, film. So I'm responsible as well for the social media uh, for the foundation and producing content. So I'm here filming this amazing event that John's done this weekend. But it's really about how to get that message across to people, obviously through Jamie's books, but through and his TV programs, but through everything he does, he he also has a very good understanding of people's level when it comes to food. Some people have never even been to the countryside and 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 got their hands dirty with planting or, and picking veg, and and then others have. So he he's very understanding of people's different levels. Um, but it is about education. Now, you yourself, you spent a lot of time in Italy. Yep. There's a place in Italy yes. that you go to. Tell us yep. about that. So one of the most wonderful aspects of my job is that I get to meet incredible people from around the world. I was Jamie's PA for four years, which was an amazing journey. Uh, but through 15, I found a community in Italy called San Patrignano, and it's the most successful drug rehabilitation community in the world, 72% success rate. And like Jamie's shown with 15, where you take people who have had, haven't had the best luck in life or have made mistakes, and you give them love, you give them context, you give them a skill, you teach them about uh, food, then amazing things can happen. So it, within this community, uh, young people come, they stay for a minimum of three years. Uh, it's very, there's no religious faith there, there's no, uh, uh, the rehabilitation is not based on abstinence. They basically give young people a chance to confront the reason why they took drugs in the first place and then they give them the skills and, and context to build their life again. And a lot of it Sharon, is based around food, so it's beautiful countryside, Italian countryside, but there's also uh, 52 different other skills that the young people can learn there as well. But it, it's changed my life because it's a, it's a story of hope, it's a story of humanity, it's a story of love, and it's very much related to 15 as well. So we have um, young people from the community that I've helped move here to the UK who are working at 15, and then I help anyone in the UK who's have suffered from an addiction to go to San Patrignano as well, including um, a young lad from Dublin who I'm helping at at the moment who saw San Patrignano on TV on the Two Greedy Italians and contacted me on Facebook so I'm helping him as well. So drugs have no boundaries or borders and, and it's it's an incredible, incredible place. I have noticed on YouTube you have your own channel yep. so you document a lot of your travels and yes. that. Yep. And food is very much at the heart of that. Yes, always. I mean I'm, I'm from Australia originally, my grandparents were farmers, I grew up knowing about food. but. 
my channel on Jamie's FoodTube Network is about how food can bring people together on a spiritual level as well. So the community at San Patrignano 15 as well. So I'm very lucky and very happy and very blessed. And it's just, uh, I don't know, you get to that point in your life where there's nothing more I want in my life. I have an amazing job, I have good friends, I have a, everything, a lovely family back in Australia, and I think that's when, and it's been, I've been very fortunate to have found Jamie and to work for him and been inspired then to go and do, um, find San Patriano and do what I'm doing there. But same, similar with John as well, because, you know, today I was writing a post on Instagram and saying it's so inspiring to see when graduates feel so fulfilled that they can then look at what they can do to give back to the community and here's John in his home village raising money for the town, uh, for the church and to replace the bell and I mean that's just, just a beautiful story. It sounds like you travel a lot, do you find that quite challenging? Well, I was thinking last night if Ryanair had a frequent flyer points, I'd be up at the front of the, <laughs> the cabin all the time. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day. Um, no, I'm an Aussie, you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a gypsy at heart, I love London, yes, it's my home, but I still get that tingle when I take a flight to somewhere, like the last time I was in Ireland was 10 years ago, and here I am in a new part that I've never been to before, and I just, I think if, I never take it for granted as to what I do, sure, sometimes it gets a little bit like, I don't know, I, actually, no, it doesn't ever get frustrating, because it's, I know I'm going to do something amazing, it's, so, yeah, no, um, and I travel well, I know how to travel and, you know... I'm Very well, important. Yes, yeah, but, um, and I'm lucky and I appreciate everything I do, so, yeah. And whenever you finish here in Ireland, what's your next trip? So, I'm actually flying off, next weekend I'm in London for the weekend, and the weekend after I'm flying off to Tuscany, to Florence, to go and do, uh, film some more content for my YouTube channel. I'm looking for some restaurants there that the chefs are doing fantastic work. Um, I'm staying with a friend, she's a fashion designer, she knows all the great foodie places. So I'm there for three days and then I go to San Patrignano to work for two days and then back to London. So, yeah. And if people want to find your YouTube yes, channel, how do they do they that? they can. Thank you for asking, Jan. That's very good of you. So Jamie's, uh, if you go to YouTube and just search on Jamie Oliver FoodTube, uh, it's now the fourth largest food uh, network on YouTube. And my channel is actually called Danny Vlogs. So I'm a video blogger, which um, is, I guess it's, it's specific to the YouTube community, but basically I go around with a camera and document my life and go behind the scenes. And so my channel is called Danny's Vlog and uh, Danny Vlogs, and that's where they can find me. Or they can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter as Danny McCubbin. Make sure you get my good side later on, Danny. I will. Thanks Thank a million. My pleasure, Sharon. Great to talk to you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. You're welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Danny McCoppin of the Jamie Oliver Food Foundation and founder of San Patriano UK. There's something very special about Danny, it has to be said. And when I was interviewing him, I felt uh, like a great sense of peace and stillness, totally chilled out after talking to him. So hi Danny, if you're listening. And uh, do check out the video that he has put together on the Dua Festival. It's called A Very Irish Barbecue and it's up there on YouTube. 
And if you're in need of a bit of chilling out now, how about sitting down with a nice cup of tea and a good magazine? Easy Food magazine is one of my favourite magazines and editor Dee Laffin is on the line now to give us a preview about the latest edition. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. The, the September issue is out now, so tell us what it's focusing on. Well, basically, um, we wanted to keep it nice and fresh because we're still, obviously, the September issue goes on sale throughout August. So we have lots of summer um, fresh recipes in there and seasonal foods. Um, but while keeping that summer theme through there, we can't um, you know, have to acknowledge the fact that uh, it is back to school time in August. So um, parents and everybody is getting ready to go back to school and how to pack the perfect lunch. We've got tips on what you should be including in your kids' lunch boxes to make sure that it's, you know, as healthy as it can be and as well-rounded. Um, we have also, I think parents get quite fed up with sandwiches all the time. So we have some kind of alternative recipes in there um, from, you know, little um, like wraps or salads. Um, things like that that can be kind of put into um, kids' lunch boxes. A, a kind of seed bar, we have it on our front cover, um, a honey seed bar in the lunch box. I mean, they are so simple to make and so tasty and very healthy because you wouldn't think many young kids especially would eat something with seeds or nuts in it. But when you have some honey in there for a bit of sweetness, um, it really does... Um, You'd be surprised that they'll, they, they do really love them. We've had a few parents actually comment on it. But the other thing as well is that I think time-saving. I mean, you know, parents, if I often say to me, oh, it's all well and good, yeah, you know, everything you suggest sounds great, but I just don't have the time. That's why I go back to sandwiches. And I can completely understand that. But what we say is what's for dinner today can be for lunch tomorrow. So maybe when you're planning your dinner, and that's one of the recipe features we have in there, when you're planning your dinner, if you're making something like a quiche or, um, you know, you're making something with pasta, then you can make a salad out of the pasta or you can put a slice of the quiche in the lunchbox because kids can have that cold, you know, um, or homemade sausage rolls or things like that that can be left over. Um, we've also got um, things like homemade pizzas, um, which we've got in there for our Friday night meals, but... Really, a slice of pizza, I'm sure I've done it, I'm sure you guys have as well, but it's really nice eating cold and kids love it. And it's just something different than the traditional sandwich. And if you're making them yourself, then it, you know, it just is even better. Um, but for example, just one other thing was just if you have some fish um, for dinner, like some cod or something like that, I mean, you can actually um, make little fish cakes out of them, you know, with some breadcrumbs and um, have cert- put those in your in your kids' lunch boxes as well. So it's kind of just been a little bit creative. You've a lot of competitions in the magazine, but you've a very special one that you want to talk to us about this evening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that we're very proud of is our um, our own national cookery competition called the Easy Food Home Cook Hero Awards. Um, basically, this is the fourth year we're doing this, and as I said, it's a national cookery competition and it's open to all ages. And the premise of it is, is you enter your favorite recipe into one of 10 categories. You can enter it into all 10 if it fits into all 10, um, you could, because you can enter as many times as you want. Um, or you could enter in 10 different recipes if you're a very um, accomplished home cook and you want to enter loads of times. And basically, our cutoff date is the 30th September for entries. And at that point, we take all the entries, we look at them and we get some 
um, cooks and food critics and judges and chefs and things like that shortlist them down to three finalists per category. So we've got 30 finalists altogether. And on the 8th of November, it's a Saturday, um, in Cook's Academy in the morning, we invite everybody to come and cook um, t- together in the kitchen. And then they present their dishes to our panel of judges, who are uh, Gina Miltiadu, who is the publisher of Easy Food. Then we have Kevin Dundon um, of Dumbrody House. I'm sure everyone knows Kevin. And Catherine Fulvio as well from Ballynockin uh, Cookery School. And then we also, this year for the first time, have Paul Flynn from the tannery in Waterford. So um, all three very well-known celebrity chefs and um, Gina, our own publisher, is just very accomplished uh, cook and baker herself. So um, the four of those judges then taste. They have a very tough job of tasting all the food. And um, then we pick winners. And that evening, um, everybody gets dressed up, you know, cleaned up after a hectic morning in the kitchen. And we have a big award, black tie award ceremony in the Shelburne Hotel, and we announce the winners. And there's one winner per category. And it really is such a fun occasion. And I, I just want to kind of encourage, we're really open for entries now, and we just want to encourage as many people as possible to enter. I believe uh, Limerick was, did very well in the competition last year. Um, we had uh, three finalists out of our 30 were from uh, County Limerick. There are two ways to enter. There are entry forms in each issue at the moment, so you can cut it out, fill it in, and send it in to us. Just attach your recipe on an A4 sheet or whatever. Or you can go on to www.homecookhero.ie and you can enter your recipe in there. The prizes that they win are are really amazing. Um, We get some great prizes that add up to €1,500 each like per person you know so that's it really is an amazing opportunity for them and even we've had some success with some finalists in the past who have platformed their you know from that to have a career um there was one lady um fiona uema who won last year and um, the Corka millish category which was sponsored by paris court hotel and she now is doing cookery demonstrations around the country for her japanese kind of fusion cooking um classes I think if if you want a career, it might help you get there, or it might just help you get recognition finally for, you know, something a dish that you were always asked to cook when you go to a party or something like that. Well, you mentioned prizes there, and we had Mike McLaughlin on the show last year after it, and he had won amazing prizes. He was mm-hmm. absolutely thrilled with them. I think he had to get a van practically to bring yeah. them all down. And of course, then Fiona Uema has been on the show, and I've been up at her Japanese class, and I'm always saying how fantastic it is that she does great recipes there, and they're they're suitable for all the family, which is lovely. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, like we really do try and just make it worth people's while. So, like things like um, Kenwood are title sponsor this year and so I mean they always give us um, you know a piece of equipment per winner you know which is the Kenwood stuff is really amazing because every finalist goes home with something they get a hamper full of goodies so no one goes away empty handed and then the winners just get bigger hampers and then the more expensive kind of equipment and it really is worthwhile and of course as you said the recognition you know regionally and nationally well, before you go, Dee, you must tell us your favourite recipe in this month's Easy Food magazine. The making the pizza party um, that we have and making your own pizza. And there's a particular pizza in there called the Baco Guacamole, 
And the reason I love this is because I'm addicted to guacamole. I absolutely love avocados. And, and when I found out, you know, found out that they're good fats, not bad fats, and that I can include them in my diet because I used to try and avoid them because they were fat, high in fat, I just kind of can't eat them enough. So, and just roll it out, put whatever toppings you like on it. Kids get involved. It's so much fun. I often I have two nephews, and when I babysit for them, we make our own pizzas. So much fun. And uh, they're just delicious. So definitely that has to be my favourite one in this issue. And my favourite one that I am going to try is the easy mini quiche cups. I think I have a three-year-old at home that would like to help me make them and would like eating them. So I'm going to give those a go and I will report back to you whenever you're... Take a photograph if you you get an opportunity and please send it in. We'll include it in the magazine. And they are great for um, lunchboxes. So hopefully um, your little one likes them. Well, I will do that and I will report back to you whenever you're back on, whenever the October edition is out. That's right. Our October edition is out um, just early September. So I'll be back on to you then. Okay, super. Well, thanks for talking to me this evening and um, we will catch up again soon. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Nice chat with Dee there and I'm looking forward to trying out a few of the recipes that she suggested. If you give them a go, let me know how you get on by emailing me s.noonan at live.ie or even better, tweet me a pic to at queenoforg, which is short for organisation. And speaking of Twitter, my next guest is an expert in all things social media related. We've talked about social media on the show here before, in particular Twitter, as I find a lot of interviewees thanks to it. But do you know your Twitter from your Instagram? Evan Mangan from the marketing crowd certainly does. And I had a chat with him earlier on this evening on the phone. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleunte. Evan, what are the advantages of social media in the food industry? Well, there is a number of advantages, Sharon. Uh, If you take, let's say, a a typical person in a farmer's market or a restaurateur, social media gives them a great opportunity to get their message out there far and wide in a very cost-effective way. So you can get uh, enormous reach way beyond what you would get, let's say, through traditional advertising. Uh, It's also a wonderful opportunity to engage with existing customers uh, to get some feedback and to engender a lot of brand loyalty. Uh, It's also a great opportunity to uh, communicate with potential customers and actually get conversations going. Finally, I would say it's wonderful opportunity to bring your brand to life in a way that uh, other media won't allow you to do. Let's say if you're advertising in a newspaper, there's only so much uh, you can get across there in a print advert. But if you were to share posts on Facebook, uh, let's say a video of what's happening in your restaurant or some recipes to do with the, uh, the, the food that you're making, that, that brings your brand to life in a way that people appreciate and can engage with. In terms of investment then, the financial investment is quite small, but the time and effort investment is more. Yes, well, lots of people make the mistake of thinking that social media is free, but of course it isn't. Uh, because you have to factor in your time and it can be quite time consuming uh, crafting those Facebook posts and those Twitter updates. So you do need to uh, think about your time. Lots of people still think that Facebook is a free social network for marketing, whereas really it has moved dramatically away from that in the past 12 months. Uh, If you have a Facebook page and let's say you have a thousand followers, really only less than 10% 10% are going to see your updates for free, less than 100 people. 
and you will need to pay to get your messages out to the remaining 90%. So more and more social media is, is costing you money, so you need to think about how you can measure that and think about a, an ROI, a return on investment. Now, whenever you say that on Facebook, less than 10% will see those posts, why is that? Are they controlling how many people can actually see what you're putting up there? They are, they are. So let's say go back two and a half years ago, before Facebook went on the stock market. Uh, if you had a thousand followers, then maybe 800 would see it. And the 200 that didn't, well, maybe they just didn't go on Facebook that day. But then once they went on the stock market, they started to apply uh, what they call edge rank. And that is a system whereby they restrict the amount of followers that see your updates. They're doing it for two reasons. Firstly, they're saying, and this is true, they're saying that they want to protect people from being inundated with lots of irrelevant uh, and uninteresting updates into the newsfeed. So if I haven't liked an update from a page recently, I won't see those updates in future for free. But secondly, they are uh, a business and they are monetizing their business and they have over 20 million Facebook pages and they are trying to get uh, advertising money out of each of those pages. So now it's a pay-to-play platform. So they will say, uh, well, didn't you have a nice ride there, free ride? You got all this for free. But now just like it would cost if you wanted to uh, send something in the post or if you wanted to make a phone call to potential customers, now it's going to cost you if you do want to communicate to all of the people who have expressed an interest in your business. Is it also the case that if people have lots and lots of friends, if they've liked lots and lots of pages, including your particular page, that there is so much information there that they can't possibly see it all? It's, you know, timing comes into it as well, does it? Correct, yes. Um, Facebook tells us that at any one point in time, there could be over a thousand updates, uh, notifications coming into your newsfeed. So they don't want us to be bombarded. They need some method of prioritizing what it is we're interested in. There are things that uh, you can do to increase your engagement and increase your reach. Uh, That would be, let's say, for any food businesses out there, thinking about running some timeline contests, actually giving away some free things. Remember the way this edge rank works is that Let's say, Sharon, you have a page, and I have liked your page, so I'm following it. If I haven't liked any of your updates recently, I won't see your updates. So if you were to run a contest, giving away something free that encourages lots of people to like the post, and then people are more likely to share it, uh, then those people under the edge rank system will then start seeing your updates for free. You do need uh, you do need to think now about how Facebook has changed and... Uh, you know, the days of just um, sending out lots of updates and expecting all your followers to see it are gone. But you could look at it another way, okay? So lots of people are a little bit uh, demoralized, thinking, oh my God, now Facebook uh, isn't free, I need to pay. But if you think about it, in the past, you had to somehow get people to like your page in order for them to see your updates in their newsfeed. That was the way it worked. But now, under the advertising system, you can send out an update and you could target uh, all the people who live within five miles of Newcastle West and you could drill down into, let's say, women who live within five miles of Newcastle West within, between the ages of 25 and 45 who are interested in baking or cooking. 
So for around €5, Euro, you can now get your post into their news feeds, irrespective of whether they've liked your post or not. So it's totally changed, and it's now an advertising platform and a really powerful one for small businesses. So I wouldn't focus on what you don't have anymore. I would focus on the advantages of the advertising platform. You can set a daily budget. You could decide to spend just €4 Euro a day or €20 Euro a day. You can run your campaign for just two or three days. Uh, if you decide that you only want to spend €20 Euro getting your message out to as many people, targeted people as possible, you can do that. And of course, Facebook isn't the only show in town. There's also Twitter, there's Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Foursquare. The list probably goes on further than that. Is Facebook, do you feel it is the, the best one for food businesses to look at? Well, I think you need to think about where your audience is. And within Ireland, 60% of us are on Facebook. So, you know, that is most people are on Facebook. So if you're trying to get your message out to as many uh, consumers who might be interested in your food products as possible, Facebook is the natural one to think about. And then moving down from that, uh, Twitter, there's uh, 29 to 30% of us in Ireland on Twitter. So that's still a big chunk of people uh, that you want to get out to. Beneath that, then we have Instagram at 14% and we have Pinterest at 7%. So if you're thinking about getting your message out, firstly think about scale. Where are your potential customers? Uh, Think about which social networks lend themselves to visual updates. And that's really important for uh, food companies. You know, it's not about sending text updates. It's sending beautiful photos, food, interesting recipes. So Facebook lends itself to that. Increasingly, Twitter is lending itself to that now because you can send out images into the newsfeed. Uh, Instagram absolutely lends itself. You've got lots of food businesses on Instagram. Pinterest is a really interesting one. Pinterest is a way of creating creating boards to do with your products or services. And Pinterest and Instagram would be very visual. Very visual, yes. Uh, you know, at its heart, Instagram is a mobile app where you take photos or videos and you share them. And Pinterest, at its heart, is uh, a social network where you basically you curate, you put in a board your favorite photos, uh, and there's millions of people creating boards to do with recipes in particular. You're talking a lot about Pinterest there. Does that mean that you feel that Facebook has had its day? It is, it's over 10 years old now, so is it coming towards the end of its shelf life? I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that it is coming to the end of a shelf life. I think some people are finding that maybe what's coming into their news feed are updates from the same friends and maybe similar kind of things, but none of the stats suggest that people are uh, moving away from Facebook in huge numbers. Evan, thanks for chatting to me this evening. You have a great website there with lots of advice on it. It's the marketingcrowd.ie and uh, we have some free guides on there as well for people. Brilliant. Listen, thanks so much for talking to me this evening and we will talk again soon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
You're welcome back to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and if you're just tuning into the show, you can catch up with us later in the week when we upload the show to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. And there's hyphens between each of the food and drink show. Just before the break, I was talking to Evan Mangan from The Marketing Crowd, who shed a lot of light on the different social media platforms out there and how best to use them if you're in the food industry or simply interested in food. If you're looking for food events this weekend, be sure to log on to discoverireland.ie forward slash food for further info on the events highlighted by Fulcher Ireland's Helen McDade at the start of the month. Now this weekend in West Limerick, FitFest is on in Askeaton Pool and Leisure. That's in association with the Irish Cancer Society, which we all know is a great cause. It's a day-long exercise class starting at 10.30 on Saturday morning. There'll be a variety of classes finishing with an outdoor boot camp style class. The focus of the event, they tell me, is about taking time to honour loved ones lost to cancer and it's also to support cancer survivors and their families. The cost of entry is only €20 per person. Participants can opt in or out of classes as they wish. You can do them all or you can select which ones you prefer. And to allow busy parents to take part, they're running a day-long kids' camp alongside the Fit Fest, where the kids will have fun, play games, have pool time, all for only €10. And that €20 to take part and the €10 for the kids will all be donated to the Irish Cancer Society. So do please support that if you're in the area. If you're heading off for the weekend, you might be going up to Stradbally to the Electric Picnic. And there's lots of food activity there and, in fact, a whole area devoted to it, I believe. The Theatre of Food is curated by Sally and John McKenna of McKenna Guides fame. And I was talking to Sally to find out a bit more about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sally, Electric Picnic Theatre of Food. What can people expect? My goodness me, it's one hell of a packed program. I think we've got more than about 60 different events going on over um, over the whole weekend. It's starting on Friday. The first demo is with Martin Shanahan, Fishy Martin, Fishy Fishy. And that's number, we've a number of cookery demos. We've got um, Lily Higgins and we've got, um, uh, we've got a lot of demos on different subjects. Like we've got one on street food and we've got one on list small plates. And um, so, so there's, there's loads of cooking demos. And then we have tastes where... People will be cooking. We've got a, a back kitchen and people will be cooking different foods and they'll come out and exp- um, explain them. We've got things from different cultures. And um, we, so people, there'll be, there'll be food on the hour. There'll be loads of different tastes of, of all different things, like things from tofu, um, tofu tasting to African food. Um, there's, a, there's a whole African theme to the event and, and we're, we're following that up now as well. I believe the African theme is being adopted by Kevin Thor- Thornton, who yeah. is doing a demo on Ethiopian cuisine. He has spent some time in Ethiopia. Yes, he works for um, an Ethiopian charity, and he's been going to Ethiopia for years. And he's, we're, we're doing two things with Kevin. First of all, he has, he has some of these most incredible photographs of different parts of Ethiopia, things, photographs of images that you, you can't even imagine. And he's going to do a slideshow of his of his beautiful photographs and talk through his experience in working with in, in Ethiopia. That's on the Saturday, and then on the Sunday, it's the first thing. It's about it's eleven thirty in the morning on Sunday. We're going to take down all the chairs in the theatre, and people are going to sit around in a circle. And he's doing a demo, a bit like a wedding feast, an Ethiopian wedding feast. And he's brought ingredients from Ethiopia, and he's you're going to use the traditional cooking 
um, cooking vessels. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a powerful experience for anybody there. Uh, Kevin's a very passionate man and, and, and an amazing cook. So it, it's really something very special. Uh, we're, very, we're very glad to have that now in the Theatre of Food this year. I imagine you must be inundated with requests from chefs and various different people to come along and take part because you really have the who's who of the food world there from Nevin Maguire, Paul Flynn, Martin Shanahan... We do actually. We have, and we, uh, you know, Derry Clark is doing something separately, a, a dinner separately, but he's sort of involved. It, I, I love it because for me, it's become like a sort of an alternative meeting place and uh, uh, networking really. And we have chefs and food writers, and they're there, and people and the audience come in. And it, for people who love food, it, it's all the all the great names in, in Irish food are there, and we've got food journalists and food writers, and. Um, it, it is really a quite special event to, to be with people who, who have made a significant um, sort of influence in Irish food. And it, it's, it's a fantastic event, really. It's, it's more than just demos. It's, it's, a whole, it's, the whole, it's the whole thing that really comes together. It's fantastic. And your very own John McKenna, who is a former hot press journalist, he's, <laughs> having, he's having a roundtable discussion, is it, about music with Paul yes, Flynn yes, and yes. Kevin Thornton and a few others? Well, we thought, given that it was a music festival, we'd love to do something. And it was actually something that Kevin Thornton was talking about. I think it was Lou Reed or something, that who, what he influenced him. So I thought, well, that'd be a nice story to ask these sort of leg- industry legends in food, to actually ask them about music and what, what music has, has meant to them in their lives and to choose a piece of music which we'll all listen to. And then we thought we'd ask, we wanted a, uh, somebody working in music, so we've asked Niall Stokes who's the editor of Hot Press magazine, who John used to write for. And um, Niall is actually a bit of a food critic as well. He has written about food in Hot Press. I think he's written about food for longer than anyone I've ever known. Um, so it'll be a sort of a music and food um, event. And we'll, we have a, lo- a lovely sound system this year. So we'll be also we'll be playing music from, from films, um, film music, and uh, we'll be showing little clips of, of of film music, so uh, films, that foodie films, you know, that things like Chocolat and Big Night, and um, so there'll be lots of music, so, so given that we are in a music venue, and also amazing food as well. Now, given that it's part of Electric Picnic, what way does it work then? If you, if you have a ticket for Electric Picnic, can you go to the Theatre of Food, or is it a separate ticket? No, it's anyone with a ticket for Electric Picnic, and lots of people have, um, come along to us. We're in the minefield area, which is behind the main stage, and there's a lot of very interesting places around the minefield area. It's the literary tents and the music and hot press tent is there. And um, there's, there's a market actually where we are, so people can buy foods to picnics to make picnics. And the theatre of food is just one of the one of the tents. It's a great big tent in the middle of this area, and we're open from sort of late morning until early evening. And honestly, there will the demos last about 40 minutes, and the taste lasts about 15 minutes. And it's going to be a non-stop um, food event, you know, every hour. And they'll be tasting, there'll be loads of food. So anybody's more than welcome to come along. And we're also doing a new thing this year. We're going to do a tweet your food selfie. So we, we've uh, John has always um, done the Electric Picnic Food Awards because I think Electric Picnic, right from the beginning, they wanted to say that they were, they were as much about food as anything else because they recognise the people who go to these events. They, you know, it's important to have good food and there's lovely food venues there and um so tweet tweet a picture if you're if you're there tweet theater of food um a picture of your a food selfie so we can see what everybody's having and share it with anybody who may not be at the picnic so um no so so please come along it'll be uh, we're, we're very open each day starting from the friday 
And there's also then the best food vendor. Do they, there's some competition there for people to tweet pictures, I think? In, indeed, yes. You see, what we've done this for years, we, we do the McKenna's Guide Award at Electric Picnic, um, which is chosen by our team. And I know, I think people wait, because we announce that on the Saturday. Um, we, we literally, we go around on this, on this Friday and Saturday and find the very best place to eat. And we give that as an award. And, um, and so just to alert people, last year, it was Kinara Kitchen from Dublin, this wonderful um, Indian restaurant. Uh, which we found. So there's the there's that there's the, the food award for the best vendor. But as well as that, we invite the picnickers to um, to vote for their favourite place. So we have a, we have a crew of people going out looking for the vote, and you you'll see their t-shirts. They've got electric picnic food awards t-shirts, and they'll be you know you would go up to the. I mean last year it was won by Walk and Roll, and it's always a very tight fight between the likes of Prime Minister. And uh, walk and roll's always been uh, up there, so it's it's a great it's a great mixture. So John was maybe find the sort of very foodie place that maybe nobody would have heard of, and and then people get a chance to vote for their really absolute favourite place. Uh, so it's, it's a great mixture. And the food vendors come from far and wide. You have Derry's Kevin Pike of Pike and Palms coming along. Yes, um, he's actually going to be speaking with us now. He's he's a fantastic. He runs an amazing restaurant, but it's it's a, a food cart. It come from a food cart, which is a new trend happening in you know it's come over from America. It's very popular in America, where all the five star restaurants and hotels have their own food cart. And um, Kevin was the first really to start it here, gourmet food from a from a van um, in Derry. So he's going to come down. And he's going to do a demo on street food along with um, Sham Hanifa um, from County Leitrim who's going to do something on Malaysian street food. Uh, so that'll be, a fanta- that'll be a wonderful demo now. We're looking forward to that. Um, so we've, we've, got, you know, we've got really quite diverse events. We've got a, a lady called Danette Milne from Ca- County Kilkenny, and she was brought up in America with, with Mexican cooks. And she's going to do this wonderful... Um, ta- uh, the, uh, African spices, how, they, how they're created, and it'll be, people will be able to smell as as the spice is created and then they'll taste a lovely goat casserole I'm not quite sure or some sort of tagine that she's going to make with these African spices so it's it's a it's a little bit it's this quite dare I say it's quite a foodie event now it is we, we are quite serious about our cooking we've got Ireland's greatest chefs here so it's it's you know it's for people who really love their food we've also got mixologists I think we've got five demos of making cocktails how to make cocktails from classy Bacard, classic Bacardi cocktails to um, cocktails made with foraged wild foods ingredients. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very diverse and interesting program. And I think anybody who is interested in food will really enjoy it. It's a great weekend now. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. That brings us to the end of the show this week. Thanks to everyone who took time to chat to me. Declan Nash, Danny McCoppin, Dee Laffin, Evan Mangan and Sally McKenna. A special thanks to you for tuning in and don't forget that the podcast is on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. Keep in touch by emailing me or tweeting me. Details coming up until next week when I'll have lots more food news for you. Bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!